Neil Kirby, lovely check. Kirby, 1-0. Another one plucked from the top draw from Frank Kirby. Welcome to a very happy, slightly relieved Fran Kirby's Fight Club, your one-stop listen for all things Chelsea FCW, and of course, the absolute legend that is Fran Kirby. I'm Andre Carlisle, I'm a writer and podcaster, and thankfully I don't do this podcast alone because it would suck if y'all just had to listen to me all day. (laughs) Uh, I am here with Mariam. Mariam, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty good, and I wouldn't be that, I mean... I guess not for me, but I wouldn't be that fast if I was a listener and I had to listen to you. I think your voice is really cool. <laughs> I might be the only one who thinks that. Um, yeah, I'm really excited and really pumped up. Like, we've had a really good run of form and, like, oh, you know, Arsenal dropped points, which we'll talk about more later. You know, we won. It's just, it's getting exciting. And I think a lot of people thought that, they, they thought they got away with it. They thought, oh, you know, Chelsea aren't going to play well. They're, they're dropping points. Guess what? Guess what? We're back and we're on a really good run and it's exciting and I'm very hyper at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And uh, and yes, we are absolutely there with Chelsea. This was this was I was actually quite nervous about this match. Uh, we're going to talk about first. We're going to talk about Manchester City, uh, the match versus Manchester City, which Chelsea won one nothing. Thanks to Google Wright and um, who's been in exceptional form. Uh, then we're going to look ahead to the big match, the big one. Chelsea got all three from this basically to set up the opportunity to go top of the table and leapfrog Arsenal uh, against them at King's Meadow on Friday. So we are absolutely going to uh, preview that. But let's stick with this United match. As you mentioned, this was a really good win. But also, for me, it brought out a couple of things that were a little concerning. But overall, like in the grand scheme, Chelsea has been doing quite well. Um, I, the results have been good in that first half, you know, in the uh, in the FA Cup or the League Cup semifinal versus Manchester United. That was like the attacking Chelsea that we had wanted to see. I think um, when I was on Twitter tweeting uh, during the match, uh, Harry Edwards mentioned that this was Chelsea's third consecutive league game without giving up a goal. And that's awesome to have that kind of form and that consistency. So that was very good. And it's all been done without Magda Eriksson. Mm. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't realise that that we've had quite a few changes in defence from, you know, from the start of the season with the back three. We brought in Anik Nowen. We played around with uh, Jess Carter. And actually it was those, it's, you know, it's the changes that we made that we stuck with and we've been consistent with that came true today. I mean, Jess Carter, like we need a whole segment to talk about her. She was amazing. She was fantastic. And one of the, you know, one of many players who were fantastic with Chelsea, but um you know, us to play in many different systems and formations and positions, it can be difficult for defenders. But I think she's stuck in there really well. And as you say, it's been quite a similar defensive lineup and defensive formation for the last few games now, and it's working for us. The players that we thought, um, you know, weren't really in the starting eleven much, the players who had to step up because they were being picked in lieu of absences and Ill- injuries and illnesses have really come true. And I really liked what Emma Hayes said about that um, in the post-match conference. She said it was a champion-like performance. If I was one of the defenders who was like on the fringe and you know not confident and had been thrown into this big game, and I heard her say that about me, I'd be like, I'd be over the moon. Yeah, it was it was it, it yeah, it was a very good defensive performance. Um there there was a lot of really good work that happened in midfield uh for the majority of the match that kept City from being able to build play. 
Um, then all of a sudden that changed and I, I'll get to that because that was kind of my big like, uh oh, what, what, what did we just do? We might just cost ourselves points here moment, but we didn't have that. So let's let's talk about the formation because you mentioned it. It was a back four again. Something that it seems like maybe is Emma Hayes completely done with the back three. I don't know. We'll see, I guess, when Magda Erickson gets back. I mean, it, it is pretty when when you have when Magda Erickson's not in the in the lineup, it's kind of hard to do three center backs who actually are like true center backs. You can mm-hmm. maybe get away with playing like Jess Carter back there as you were, but um, it's not quite as easy. So I don't know if the back three is completely gone, but it was a back four. It was Jess Carter at right back. It was a center back partnership of Millie Brighton and Agnowen. Uh, and then there was Jonna Anderson at left back. In midfield, it's interesting because a lot of the lineups had it as a 4-3-3. I didn't quite see it as that. I thought it was a 4-4-2 um, because uh, it was Aaron Cuthbert. It was, well, it was Jess Fleming, Aaron Cuthbert, Sophie Engel, and Gua Wrighton who, who kind of played across the midfield uh, as a four. They kind of have Jess Fleming playing as a more a, as a forward. And I didn't see a whole lot of that. She was pretty deep, uh, kind of getting in the way and, and harassing anybody who got on the ball in midfield. And I saw uh, Sam Kerr and Pernilla Harder were really the two uh, forward players. Is that how you saw it as well? No, I think you got it spot on because I think that Erin um, Cuthbert and Wrighton were playing in their preferred position, which is more midfield heavy. They do come in a little centrally to collect passes and, and maybe sort of have particular patterns of play, but they were really like almost sitting and holding in those areas. And I think that's exactly what we needed because although there was, you know, when asked defensively to support further up, they were to do that. They were really providing more of a presence in midfield, and we needed that because, as you say, it, it did stop City from countering, and it, and it kept quite a few of their players who had been scoring in the last nine or so games in that sort of win streak they had. I think it was like 37 goals, and for them not to even score today, I think you're right in saying that the midfield had a big part of that and formation positions were key for that. Yeah, I want to give a special shout out to Erin Cuthbert. She was immense. I love when she can get basically just play that midfield role where it's just like, go destroy things, go <laughs> get in the way, go be a problem, go snipe at the ball, get the ball, do whatever you need to do to get the ball because she was just all over City's midfield. They they didn't any if anybody tried to take more than one touch near her, she was pouncing on them, and I just thought it was great whether she won the ball. And then I think Chelsea also did a good job of supporting her. And that's why I thought Jess Fleming was so important because she would kind of come around when, when um, Aaron Cuthbert would engage, she'd come around and help to make sure we claim possession and they weren't just able to, you know, sometimes you end up getting a lucky bounce or something, even though a player, a defensive player gets a foot on the ball. Sometimes you can still maintain possession, even though you were caught out. And Jess Fleming was really around in really good areas to make sure that that didn't happen. So I was really, really happy with the way that that, um, that pair particularly played in midfield. And I thought uh, Sophie Engel had a pretty good game as well. Um, you know, uh, can we talk about Guro real quick? Because Guro quick. just <laughs> has been in incredible form. I think this is, pro- I mean, I know she's played very well. Her debut season with Chelsea was very, very good uh, when, you know, Pernella Harder was in and it was difficult for her to get game game time. So that was really difficult. But she's, I mean... If you kind of look at it, she kind of is getting the start over Fran Kirby, um, who, you know, we love Fran Kirby. But it is difficult to, to you know, when Guru is in this kind of form to put her on the bench. So I, I love the fact that she was in the game and she ends up scoring. I think a lot of people might think that just because she'd been playing like a run of games in, in lieu of absences, that maybe that's why she was played today because she's proved her form. But I think whilst it was that... 
it was a very specific tactical choice for Emma Hayes. Now, one thing that the the Man City central defence like to do is they push up a little bit and they leave quite a few spaces open in the box. If you're a counter-attacking team, that can be quite useful. But what we were doing specifically with Guro is sort of letting her find those spaces in between. And who would have thought to have her in the box? I mean, you know, Jess Carter had a wonderful ball in, but she was like in a weird position, like right in the middle of things. No one was really noticing her. No one probably expected her to jump that high and get in there. Uh, I'm talking about the first and the only goal of the game, that is. And she just got the ball perfectly in the right position, not even looking towards goal. Uh, obviously, you know, she had a back to goal. We could call it a no-look goal, but you wouldn't put it fast, Guru. But I think that that was very specific and tactical by Emma Hayes to have her in for this particular reason, because, of course, we know the kind of joy she brings from the flanks, um, right or left. You know, she's got a really good cross on her. But when she's in the middle of the box and she's not picked up because she's so sort of positionally aware, that's when you get caught out. And I think that City were caught out and not expecting her to be there, not expecting her to have that kind of header. Though I will say, I think if she had missed, I think Harder might have been able to get in behind her. But still, it was like, you know, said you weren't expecting that. They didn't set up for that kind of uh, attack from us. So I think it was great to have her in. And as you say, it provided something that Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby couldn't. So it's a lot It's a lot to think about. And I just think that Guru Lighten is just an absolute delight. Now, I feel sad that she was not getting into the team, you know, by no fault of anyone in the team or the players. But she deserves to be there. And this is exactly why. Yeah, and you you mentioned Guru. I think Guru's best in exactly those situations where you don't expect her to be somewhere. You know, she she really is good at finding those spaces and finding a way to get an advantage. You know, we saw that with her goal. Um, I can't remember which Claret and Blue team it was, uh, but when she stopped the ball, did that turn and shot Ooh, really quickly. Like, I think it was West Ham. I, I, you might. I mean, that's a villain. I'd be like, sounds right. Um, so I don't, I don't really remember. Uh, but yeah, it was it, her, that to me is like her best role. And I think when you have four midfielders, you can she can afford to gamble because you still have cover behind. And I think we actually have multiple players who are pretty good at that. You know, Jess Fleming is another player who pops up in the box and does good things from time to time. And so is Aaron Cuthbert. So I think that this formation really allows those players to kind of pick and choose their their moments and their spots to get into the box and be dangerous. And Guru's just been an exceptional runner form and being able to get in there and do that. It's really, really great to see. Um, one quick question I had for, or not question, but one, one other thing I wanted to kind of note was um, Pernilla Harder. She's been an exceptional form lately and she didn't, she didn't score, get an assist or anything, but she was a terror. Every time she got on the ball, she was just really running it. Ruby Mace in the back line, uh, for City and causing a lot of problems. Absolutely, yeah. And I think um, I was actually reading a report uh, that was talking about Penelope Harder being the focus of the attack in lieu of Sam Kerr and, and Fran Kirby. Everything that was happening was happening through her. And I think one thing she did really well is that she was occupying the flanks a lot, but she knew when to come in more centrally. She knew when to, to play the pass and she knew where to be exactly to link in possession from the midfield. I think that's what was causing Man City a lot of distress because they were trying to man mark. They were pushing up and pressing very high as as most WS, top WSL teams are doing at the moment, a high pressing system. So they were doing that, but she was finding all those gaps in between. And it's incredibly hard to mark someone when they are playing in that way. Everything was coming through her. Um, and I think the only way to stop that would have been to double up on marking her, but they, they didn't want to sacrifice their system. So... Um, yeah, I, th- I think she had an absolutely amazing performance. It's so hard to say that when we can say the same thing about Wrighton and um, Cuthbert and Carter. There were so many players that had 
standout performances today. And I think Emma Hayes is right in saying that this was a very calm and champions-like performance. Yeah, I, I and I, I do have to go back and talk about Jess Carter just a little bit because she was all over Lauren Hemp. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, we saw the tweet where it was Jess Carter emptying her pockets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it was pictures like keys and a wallet. And then, of course, Lauren Hemp, because, yeah, she when Jess Carter has basically a defensive job to do, she's excellent. And she also delivered the assist. So it wasn't just, you know, defending. It was also joining the attack and being able to put in a good ball for Goa Wrighton. So, yeah, she had a fantastic game. It is interesting, though, because. She is she is a good player when you have her there. It's just it's just tough to go to stick with her in a, in a back four because there are there can be deficiencies in the game and it really depends on how she handles overloads and everything like that. And City didn't really do that. In fact, what they ended up doing is switching Lauren Hemp to the other side and having her go at Jonna Anderson instead of Jess Carter. So it was a very interesting little move and they actually did that quite late. Uh, to be honest, uh, I thought they were going to do it much sooner. But let's let's talk about what really changed the match, at least from my perspective. I, I, I won't actually say that. I'm going to say what I think changed the match. And you let me know if you agree or what. But for me, it was the substitutions that Emma Hayes made in the 67th minute. She brought off Pernilla Harder and put on Fran Kirby. And she brought off mm-hmm. Jesse Fleming and put on Neve Charles. Obviously, I, wanted, I, I was shocked that Fran Kirby was not in the starting eleven. Um, I know that Pernilla Harder has been playing a lot of matches, so I understood that sub from a standpoint of we still have a big match to play, um, particularly if we have a lead, have a big match to play on Friday. Looks like we're going to get points from this match. Glad it ended up being all three. But I really didn't understand taking out Jesse Fleming. I thought Jesse Fleming was really important to what was happening in the midfield, how we were able to control their midfield. And I think as soon as that happened, things changed. Now, there's also that that did happen. That sub happened about nine minutes after Manchester City made their subs when they brought on um, Julie Blackstead and they also brought in Vicka Lasada, who is a mm-hmm. very, very good midfielder. Um, but he took off Bunny Shaw, which I thought was very interesting because she had been, she's scored in their last four matches in all competition. She has six goals in those four matches and scored in every one. So I thought she was going to stay on there for a while or stay in the game for all 90, but she didn't. But it just seemed like when the substitutions happened, from my perspective, it just seemed like Chelsea then, all of a sudden Manchester City had so much of the ball and Chelsea were just defending, not necessarily like, you know, dogged or last ditch defending, but they were having to make sure they're in the right positions, make sure they didn't make any mistakes or take a wrong step one way or the other. And, and there weren't too many really dangerous shots. I think there was a tough one from just outside of the box that Ann Katchenberger had to scramble to get, got two hands to and pushed it away. I think that was probably the most dangerous chance, but it just kept inviting City to try. And and, and there wasn't that opposition that there was in midfield. Did you see it the same way? No, I, I definitely felt that there was a shift in the second half. There was a real surge from Man City, especially, I think, buoyed by the substitution they made, as you said, Blackstad and Lasada. Lasada, especially because... Um, as you say, City had been trying to push through their flanks. That's always their strongest point. Um, but they weren't being able to do that because of the the pressure from midfield that was being provided by Cuthbert uh, and Carter, um, Dory Fleming. And I think that when Asada came on, she gave them exactly that because she knew when to make the runs. She was much more adept and experienced in doing that. And I think it kind of unlocked their attack a lot more. There were a lot more crosses coming in um, into the box. And as you say, there were a few scrambles. There, there were a few sort of confusions in the middle of the the penalty box in the late stages of the game but I, I still think that we were strong defensively enough to push 
through. And I was quite interested because in the post-match conference, um, Gareth Taylor said that he felt his team were unlucky to not have gotten at least a point in the game. And I think that was probably on the back of the last 15 to 20 minutes of the game. Um, even though our defence stood up pretty strong, I don't think he would have said that about the first half. There was definitely a shift and I think um, the substitution that we made maybe helped us more in an attacking sense. But the substitution they made were specific and targeted towards how exactly they could unlock the game from their perspective and it was quite smart but we just managed to get through i was pretty frustrated watching the match i was like we're up one nil you know they're they're not able to really build anything eventually you know you bring on fran kirby and you're going to be able to get her behind the line you know just started just coming out of halftime or um sam kerr had already gotten beyond the line a couple times you know uh, really early in the second half and you're thinking, okay, yeah, this is going to happen, you know, especially when you put Fran Kirby out there. And you just you just need one of those moments where both of them tear beyond the back line. One of them gets the ball, and then they're going to find the other one for a goal. And you're just thinking, like, that's just going to happen, and that's how we're going to score our, our second. But then it's like when that happened, we only went, when the changes happened and Jesse Fleming came off and Eve Charles came on and we kind of gave up some of the – steal in midfield and I kind of allowed them to pick through it was like well then it wasn't really even about it wasn't really even about like trying to get a second it was just about defending and holding on to the goal that we had and I didn't really love that because I first of all I think I, I, I those substitutions came in what the 67th minute I said that's that's giving your team a lot of work to do and mm-hmm. a lot of time and I w- I could just in my brain I could just see City I obviously disagree with Garrett Taylor. I didn't think they deserved a point from that game, but I could see it happening. And that's what was scaring me is that I could just see something weird happening from a corner, you know, the ball deflects around, finds a city foot, or, you know, they end up getting behind the line for some, somehow or whatever. I was just I was just concerned that we were heading toward a scenario where they were going to end up scoring and like after like the 85th minute and we weren't going to be able to do anything to get um to get the to get back to three points to take all three points so to me I was a little concerned about what Emma Hayes did and I don't really understand the tactical move to to kind of just concede midfield to Manchester City yeah it's it's a bit strange she's made it maybe like a handful of changes like that in the last two or three years that we've questioned um I wonder if it was just to see how Frank Abbey would fit into this team as well as and as part of what we already had and, and Almost like okay, this is the team we had while you were gone, and and you know, and while the attack was all changed up, let's see how you fit in here. But I don't think that this was a great time for experimentation, as you say, things were going well. We should have just stuck with that, and we were thankful to get out of the game because once again, Jess Carter and the rest of the defense really stood up for a great performance. Um, it was a strange one, but we managed to to get through it, and I'm sure that um, you know. If it had gone the other way and we'd conceded or even lost, there probably would have been a big uproar about it. But I think she's gotten away with it in this instance. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the result definitely keeps that from being like a big point uh, because that, you know, a city would have scored and equalized. And obviously, I think a lot of people would have been like, what in the world was that decision? But because that didn't happen and credit to Chelsea, like I said, they did defend. Um, I, You know, I did mention there was a there was a very good shot that they had. Uh, but about that was about it. Um, and, and Anne Katchenberger is a very good goalkeeper. So, you know, she was able to keep that out. So that was for me, that was it was nervous. I felt like the way the match was going, I didn't need an extra 20 plus minutes of nerves. <laughs> I thought that I was already sufficiently nervous enough for the match. And I didn't need him Hayes to give me, you know, to put my heart in my throat. 
for that long of a period of time when I felt like we'll get a second and everything's going to be good. We're going to head on to think ahead to the Arsenal match. But I was just like, <laughs> I was just waiting for that final whistle. Like, please let us get away with that because City is having a whole lot of the ball. And honestly, if I look at it and I step back a little bit, you know, it was one nil. So that's not a massive gap. And I actually think City will take some uh, I actually think City will take some confidence from that because last time we played them, I think it was what, 4-0 or 4-1? Mm-hmm. And like we just completely destroyed them. And I think they'll probably take take some solace in the fact that it was only 1-0 and they had chances. But when I look at it from a Chelsea perspective, it almost seems like tactically, we know you can't hurt us. So as long as we defend and do what we're supposed to do, we know that you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to score against us because you're not as good as us. So when I look at it from that, I, I don't know if you should. Like I don't know if I want the manager making decisions based off of that mid game. But I actually did like after the match, I was thinking about it like that was really bold. And if that's like the thought process, I can kind of vibe with it. <laughs> I think it's it's almost like um, we don't need to be like we don't need to give a hundred percent of ourselves to win. Like if we can give like 50 and also rest in the process, then why like exert yourself any more than that when you don't have to kind of kind of maybe that kind of thinking. Um, But as you know, maybe it's the right way of thinking because we don't want to be too tired. We've got a lot of games coming up. The next one on Friday is another big one. Yeah, let's move on to that. So we're going to move on to City. The good thing is, you know, in order to make this to, to give this Chelsea versus Arsenal, the second, the reverse fixture, in order to give this the biggest platform we possibly could we needed to get three points from the city match and that's what we did it was a one nil score line so about as narrow as you could be but if you look at the balance of play Chelsea definitely earned it so we have three points still have a game in hand but we go and face Arsenal we are only two points behind them beat them on Friday and we leapfrog to the top of the table so this is a huge match and Miriam I know you recently went and got to watch Arsenal live and go see them so i want you to let us know what you saw and what you think is going to happen or how they can hurt chelsea and how chelsea might be able to hurt them i think i'm going to start off by talking about both of the pre-match uh press conferences for both managers because the thing i'm most in the last few weeks where i've been attending those um you know side of all is someone who's very very open about his team's tactics and choices and things i don't think a lot of managers would give away um you know gareth taylor emma hayes uh, Mark Skinner, they have all been very sort of tight-lipped. Not so much where you could feel like they're being obviously obscure, but just sort of saying all the right things, you know, your basic media training situation. Idaho, however, has given a lot of insight into his team's tactics, and he was talking before the game about a really um, sort of prominent issue in the team, which is that they often look to play forward, play forward passes to Medima, to Mead, even when the passes aren't there. And what happens is that there's a breakdown of attack no defensive structures to support that, and that results in a counterattack. Now, he said in the last three weeks they've been working on that issue and it was no longer an issue, which was pretty interesting because as soon as the game started, it was almost shockingly visible. And in the press box, everyone was confused. They're like, what is going on? Not just because of that issue, but because of how poorly Arsenal were playing. United were doing the best thing, which was they were just waiting. They were waiting for what I just said, where they were waiting for Arsenal's attack to fail and fall apart. They were picking up the pieces and they were targeting very specific players. McCabe was one of them. She had an absolutely horrific game. Like Apart from the sending off, she had a double yellow sending off. Um, she was being targeted by Alex Russo on the left side. So um, Arsenal started out as a 4-3-3 and she was almost a target. 
like you know Russo was ripping her apart and she really needed support but the issue was that Arsenal were missing two of their big big defenders Alea Williamson and Lottie Wubben-Moy were out and although they had pretty um, sort of capable understudies I think it was Seth Catley and Jen Beattie it just wasn't enough she needed help and players were having to be pulled out of position to support her um, so Nobbs was having to come from midfield to come and support and, and Heath was being dragged across and and what that meant is that there was a lot of pressure on specific players and the goal that came from Russo the header uh, was as a result of McCabe not being able to mark properly essentially and from corners and free kicks they were just being really thrown apart and there's an interesting stat about how they are the team that's conceded most from corners so that's that's potentially something for us to oh, use that's interesting the most yeah and it wow. was just like the goal itself it was a free header and then the thing that concerned me and and, and not I shouldn't say concerned I mean Idaho might be concerned was that from every corner and and cross into the box from Katie Zellum who's absolutely brilliant with with those kinds of things there were free headers coming in left right and center and, and our United really should have scored those the game should have been put to bed so that was like something I would be worried about if I was Idaho um and in the second half, they actually switched, um, sorry, switched tactically. So they pushed uh, Kim Little further up and Leia Walty, who who was in midfield, was pushed back into defence. And that actually yielded some results. Um, Kim Little got to be part of the attack a lot more. Uh, Tobin Heath was subbed off, actually, which is what kind of instigated the changes. She just absolutely was giving no space or time. United were, were really sort of up in the midfield. But again, they weren't. It was almost like Chelsea. They weren't really like giving 100%. They were waiting. They were waiting for Arsenal to make the mistake that Idaho said they'd worked on. The attack was breaking apart. They'd pick up possession and they were straight through um, into counter-attacking. And because the midfield was being pulled apart to help out other defenders because of the fact that they weren't playing their first-choice defenders, the spaces were opening up. Um, they made tactical changes in the second half, which Idaho said after the game was, you know, the adjustment the adjustment plan was was there for that reason and that helped them it worked for them a lot and the goal kind of came through those tactical changes so it shows that it at least worked um it was Stina Blackstinius who scored in the 80th minute which wasn't really great for me because I was already on my way to writing um an Arsenal <laughs> defeat and then then the leveler came through Blackstinius and then I was on my way to writing a draw and I was like please please don't score now I have to change everything <laughs> but um it came from that tactical change because Kim Little was further pushed up the channel of like attack from midfield to the front um, was more seamless. It wasn't sort of disrupted or um, sort of delayed and it was coming more seamlessly and she was through on goal and she scored. And that, and that all came from that shift to being slightly more at- attacking and shifting. Um, Leo Walter, who's played a lot in defence um, back there. So they were able to adjust in the game. But what worried me, and I say me again, if I was an Arsenal fan or part of the Arsenal team, what worried me was, first of all, the reoccurrence of an issue that was had, you know, said to be worked upon and, and improved and the error wasn't there anymore. And second of all, just like no defending at all from corners and, and free kicks. And you wouldn't do that against like a lower league side and you wouldn't want to do that against maybe one of the league's best crosses of the ball, Katie Zellum. So those are the two things that concerned me. Um... Ella Toon should have made it 2-0. She was through on goal. I don't know what happened there. Medima had a, a really good um, moment where she had to carry the ball from midfield to attack and she hit the bar. But again, that was her doing the work. When she moved, uh, she was playing centrally. When she moved from there to the wing, she came to life. I think that's because she realised playing centrally wasn't an option. United were bulking up. When she moved from there to the left wing, straight away, the chances were flowing. Um, so that's another area to consider. But... 
United had their chance to score and then they and put the game to bed and they didn't and that's been an issue for us before um maybe less so now I'm hoping that that won't happen again you know if we get the chances we should just take them but that's uh that was kind of the main issues for me yeah yeah so one thing that I find interesting about Arsenal is that they they started off the season so looking quite dominant and it really did look like that three points they started out with you know in the very first game of the season they basically got a three-point lead over Chelsea and it seemed like that was going to be enough because they were in such good form particularly in the league you know they they did face you know Barcelona and of course that Barcelona team runs through everybody so they'll that happened and of course Hoffenheim played them very well um got a got a big win against them but you kind of look at particularly this you know the start of 2022 hasn't really been great especially for a team that that has looked so dominant mm-hmm. they made a lot of signings in the in the window as well in the transfer window the january window gastina blackstinius which was a really good i was actually really I, I like her a lot as a player and i'm really disappointed that she's going to arsenal kind of like that i need them to stop signing players i like like tobin heath going to arsenal just crushed me so <laughs> I, I know that's her team but it's like god I, I i want to watch and appreciate these players and i can't when they had a rival um but you look at arsenal's results and any competition it's wild to look at you know they lost to birmingham city 2-0 then they they lost to Manchester United uh, in the in the League Cup quarterfinal one nil. They drew with Manchester City one one. They they even though they beat Brighton in the league, this was just uh, just a, a couple weeks ago, January twenty seventh. Brighton scored first, and it took two second half um, goals from Arsenal to turn that around. And it was not. It, it looked like they were going to at least have another draw, and they ended up getting uh, they ended up getting a win out of that. Uh, in the FA Cup, they only beat London City. One nil, and of course that's just a, that's a bit of a changed lineup. But when you look at the lineup, you realize that Miedema started, Beth Mead started, Nikita Paris started, Jordan Nob started. You know, like Katie McCabe started. Like that wasn't like their second lineup. That was actually a lot of really good players that they started in, in their eleven, and they still only got the, that result. And then you look at the match against Manchester United. So one and and I think one of the biggest things that happened in that Arsenal match is Katie McCabe getting a red card because she's their best fullback and having to slot somebody else in and expecting them to do a job against Chelsea when Chelsea is kind of looking like they're putting the pieces back together. That's a recipe for some disaster. The thing is, though, like even when Katie McCabe was in there, she was being targeted specifically by Alex Russo and she was in need of mm. so much help because they were missing sort of the the leading defenders, if you will, um, the help from from their understudies, Catley and, and BT, just wasn't there. And Nobbs was having to come across to help her. So there is already a blueprint of how to take apart Katie McCabe, you know, first of all, having a horrific performance, but then also being sent off. Now you think about how anyone who's, as you say, coming in for her will have to fare up with the Chelsea attack. It, it's going to be very difficult. What concerns me more is, is as you say, the recent run of poor performances for Arsenal, it's been the same issue. Teams see that um, Arsenal kind of almost panic when they're in a situation where they're being pressed very hard and they look to play fastest forward, but the spaces, opportunities and gaps aren't there at all. And all teams have to do is wait for them to do that because when they do that, there's no defensive structure at all. Now you have a midfield three of... Uh, Nobs, Little and Mead plays. Mead plays as a wide forward, so she's not sort of occupying that central area at all. Uh, Nobs is kind of meant to be the deepest lying midfielder and and provide support for the 
the back four, but in the last few games, I haven't seen her doing that as much. She's been pressing quite hard, but leaves a lot of gaps in behind. And Little always wants to contribute to the attack. Um, so I think that defensively in the midfield, we are going to be much stronger than him. Although we don't have Lupaults, we do have Ingalls and, and Cuthbert. And although Cuthbert's not, you know, in any sense of the word defensive, she does the job very well. Uh, Ingalls is more than capable. I think we're going to win the midfield. And I think that we can win the attack too if we close off the flank areas because Medima struggles when she plays centrally. When she's got no one to link up with, that's an issue uh, that's an issue for her. She only kind of comes to life when she was on the flanks, or at least that's what I've seen in recent games. So I think we might have one up on the attack as well. Um, I feel quite confident about this game, but as you say, uh, it's about whether or not we can put away chances because those are crucial. If Alatuna put away her chance, you know, it would have been 2 0, and I think that would have been the game for Arsenal. If we aren't able to put away our chances, and I don't see why not, because Samco has been smashing it in the Asian Cup, and, uh, you know, we've got loads of we've got a, a wide array of players who are scoring, then that could be a problem for us. But I, as I say, I don't see that happening. I see our, us putting away our chances. So one thing that I am a little concerned about, and this is going to force me to give credit to Arsenal players, so bear Ooh. with me. Yeah. Um, Arsenal's goal was madness. Yep. As Miedema's pass was absolutely absurd absurd i had to tweet that from my personal account because i was like <laughs> what the hell did she just do the weight on it the depth the slight curl on it to, to split defenders and break multiple lines i mean she was in her own half with that pass that was one of those things we're used to like saying like g do or you know sam kerr and frank kirby have done that for one another just so just a crazy through ball that goes a, a third of the pitch uh, before, you know, breaking lines. It's just why it was just wild to see, but I'm a little concerned that that may be something now that, cause I, I don't, I haven't been following art, like watching all of Arsenal's matches closely, particularly because when they're down and not doing well, if I start watching them, they will like the North London Derby when they came back and got a, like I in, in stoppage time, I turned that on. Cause I was thinking, okay, yeah, I want to see Arsenal lose. And then they equalize. So again, Birmingham city, I didn't turn that on, and they ended up losing uh, against Manchester United in the quarterfinal. I didn't turn that on, and they ended up losing. <laughs> I was very tempted to turn it on against Manchester United in this game, but I was like, I'm not going to do it. They equalized anyway, but um, I, I don't watch their matches out of some weird superstition. But I am wondering if Idaval might be thinking, you know what? If I play these two together, Miedema and like start them, Miedema and Blackstinius, because Blackstinius came off the bench, correct, uh, in that yeah. match. It was her birthday. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to listen to her. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, if if he plays them together, then that that really does open things up, and you can kind of see them looking for those opportunities when they can recover the ball from Chelsea. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think that would be quite sneaky, and it would be quite smart to do because those are the kinds of passes that are almost so difficult to stop at all. And it, and you know what. When I was looking at the game, I didn't think it was any real error on United's part in terms of the setup. The pass was just inch perfect. It yeah. was a moment of magic from a player who's one of the best players in the world. And I think her chance in the first half where she um, smashed the bar, and I think Mary Earps might have got a few fingers on that RIP those fingers because they got absolutely crushed. But that as well, <laughs> it was a moment of magic that came from her. We can't, you know, we talk about teams collectively having issues, but we can't excuse individual brilliance because those are players who can be in the middle of a really bad performance and still absolutely do something amazing like that to save the game. Medima is one, Beth Mead is another. She's consistently been starting for Arsenal. Um, 
so we had to keep our eye open. You know, we might be saying, oh, Katie McCabe might not be playing. Well, she's not playing, so that's an issue. Or defensive midfield is an issue. But if they can still score, then they can still cause us damage. It's down to whether we can reenact our defensive uh, strengths from today. Yeah, and so we're we're probably still expecting the same absences in terms of lineup. So we probably won't see, I will definitely won't see Melanie Lupoles. I believe she's still recovering from long COVID. Uh, Mara Mielda, haven't seen her um, in a while, so I, I don't believe we're going to see her. Magda Erickson, uh, last I heard that she had been running. Um, she had a deltoid sprain, I believe, is what uh, Emma Hayes said. She had been running, um, uh, kind of on a on a pitch alone, doing some training. So who knows if she'll be able to join training this um, this week ahead of the Arsenal match? But it would, to me, it would be a little shocking if she was end up ending up starting, especially because I think uh, now and has played so well in in her absence. Even though if she's available and says she's fit, I you got to go with Magda because she's exceptional. So, um, but when you look at Arsenal, they are going to have to replace Kate McCabe, uh, who's not going to be available. So I'm I guess from you, what do you? What do you expect or look for Chelsea to do? Do you think we'll see another 4-2-2? Do you think we'll see 4-3-3? Or do you think we'll surprise and go back to the 3-4-3? What, what do you think Chelsea should do to attack Arsenal with the weaknesses that you saw uh, in their game against United? I was really happy with the team we put out today because I think it's a team that's... <laughs> yeah. I think, obviously, Man City and Arsenal are two different teams. They play diff- two different ways. But as you're noticing more and more, the top teams in WSL have similar styles of attacking, which is high press, high counter-attacking, possessing the players with, with the dribbling abilities to bypass those presses. Um, I think midfield, our midfield is suited for that. And I think it showed today. So I want, I'd want, I'd want a similar midfield. England Cuthbert's absolutely for sure. Wrighton, yeah, I'd want her because I think she provides a lot of different things that are hard to sort of defend against. I think, again, I think the back four was also perfect. The only real issue is Fran Kirby, and I can't believe I'm actually yeah. saying that. I hope oh. I I never say that. <laughs> it's finally happened. Not because she performed bad, but I think that the choice itself from Emma Hayes is difficult. Either you start in a system that suits her, you can't bring her on, like as you say, in the 60th minute, because that could change anything. Like Arsenal only need 10 minutes, 5 minutes to score. Doing that with half an hour to left, left is almost criminal. Um but I do, I do agree on the midfield and defense. Um, I think that what we did against City is going to be quite um, important to repeat against Arsenal. Teams at the top end of the WSL have a similar attacking style, and we can accommodate for that. We can do it against City. We've got to keep that shape against Arsenal. Yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of with you. Um, I, I do think that I, I like the four four two. Um, I'm just gonna call it a four four two. I don't care what they <laughs> say. I'm, I'm, it, for me, it's a four four two. Um, so I, I think I kind of like that. I like the ability for Guro Wrights and the flexibility it adds for Guro to get in, um, or, or even uh, Jesse Fleming. You know, her to play more midfield. I've talked on this podcast a lot about wanting to see her in her more normal, natural position. And in this, she gets to be in midfield a lot more often. Um, And we saw today she was very good. I think this was her best game playing that kind of hybrid role that we've seen from her yet. You know, there were some passes. She did have that one error uh, in the in the first half where she it was really, really windy out there and she Mm. hit a back pass and the wind really held it up. And Bunny Shaw was about to run onto it and Berger had to really, really um, slide to get to it. And it could have been one of those things where. Berger gives up a penalty or whatever, but luckily she got to the ball first. But that was really the only thing she did. And she's so normally for a young player, when they do something like that, it sticks with them and it makes them nervous the rest of the match. But she just gets over stuff. When she makes a mistake, she doesn't dwell on it. And she was so much better in the match 
Her passing was very good. Her positioning was extremely good. And her ability to press and read play and step in the way. And like I said, her and Aaron Cuthbert worked very, very well together. So like I'm I think that is also a very like having those players on the pitch really does will really disrupt Arsenal's build up play. But yeah, the question is the two up top. Or if you have um or if you have um Fran Kirby maybe replace Guro, but should you do that when Guro's in this form? Like I know we're mm. Fran Kirby's fight club, but we're almost like the thing is though like I think the good thing about a Harder and Kerr combination is that Harder was doing a lot of things in the left flank area like she's very obviously very comfortable in that position that's where we've developed her so it gave like um it would give the other forward more space to be in whether that was like playing in the box or on the other side it's it's much easier to move around like that whereas the thing is Fran Kirby is obviously able to do that either flank and centrally so maybe having her could be add a bit more interchangeability and, and really help facilitate link up play from midfield so it's like I don't I don't think that having Fran Kirby is especially wrong um I just think you have to you have to commit to it and you have to commit the rest of the team to it as well yeah, and you, you, there is the possibility, of course, of doing four three three. That is a formation that Arsenal loves as well. So we could match up like that and just go straight four three three, and then oh, you don't have that. to worry about that. And then you can have, you know, you can even just name, you know, Aaron Cuthbert and um, Jesse Fleming and Sophie Engel as your midfielders. So you can put yeah. uh, Drew Spence in there with Sophie Engel and maybe Aaron Cuthbert or or Fleming. So I think it, it will be interesting to see, but I am expecting the back four to remain. Um, and I am expecting, um, I, I do as well, let's get into it then predictions. You already <laughs> said you expect, uh, Chelsea to be able to exploit and score the goals to win. So you're, you're predicting a Chelsea win. Uh, what scoreline though? Um, gosh, you really put me on the spot. Ha! Now you know how I feel. <laughs> I want to say three, one, but I feel like people might think this is too much, but I don't because I think that we will score two goals on the break. And they're going to really be pushing. They're going to have to push. If we score on their, and we score first or we're leading at any point in the game, they go. They have no choice but to push for the goal because they know what this tie means. We win this tie and all we need to do is win the rest of our games. And um, this this was the game. This was the hardest game because of what happened on the first game of the season. So um, I think if we le- if we start leading at any point, they're going to have to make push forward and they're going to leave gaps in behind. And, and that's their main weakness and if we can capitalize on that then there's going to be more than just like a one goal gap in terms of deficit so I'm saying 3-1. Yeah, yeah. I think I, th- I think part of uh, Emma Hayes's thought process to go for to make the changes that she did was to save certain players. Um, she wants players to stay in form obviously but I think it was also to make sure that players don't expend too much energy. Um, it's not a midweek game but it is a Friday game so you don't fully have a full week uh, to prepare um, and to recover. So I do think there may have been an eye on the Arsenal game once we got to a certain point with the lead, uh, plus the way the match was going. Um, so you really probably at that point, you are kind of still gambling a little bit, but I think she kind of knew that that if we defended as solidly as we have been, there's nothing that they're going to do that's going to surprise us. Um, we can handle them pretty comfortably. And we did. So she was right on that, on that aspect. But um, I actually think this is going to be a multi-goal win, too. I think Arsenal are in a really tough spot. I think losing Kata McCabe is going to be a massive, massive loss for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of why I'm, I might even lean towards wanting Chelsea to do a 4-3-3 because I think you spread out that back line, you get you know the harder Kerr and Kirby going at that back line, and I think they're going to have real problems um, trying to close down spaces, um, especially if the the third midfielder in there is is Jesse Fleming. 
or Aaron Cuthbert. I think that's just going to be too much of a problem um, going forward. So I'm I'm thinking multi-goal win as well. Um, oh, you kind of took the scoreline I was thinking. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go 2 nil. I think the clean sheets continue. Um, I, I kind of in my mind was thinking they might score first, but no, I, I think... I think we can do it. I think we can get a clean sheet. I think we can uh, score a couple goals and get out of there with three points and top of the table. The only thing we had to consider is whether two of their biggest defensive players, which is Leia Williamson and Lottie Wibbemoy, might be back for that game, which changes just about everything. Because I do feel like if they had been in, in the game that United, things could have gone differently. But I still feel that if we stick with what we did against City, if we repeat that, well enough it could be it could be a clean sheet but at, at least it could be like only one goal conceded rather than any more so big game on Friday but you know we always knew it was coming like this last month has been geared towards that and uh, I, I feel we, I feel the preparation and the progress we made in the last three or four games has been perfect like this is the peak it has to be the peak because once we get this we can maybe relax like a teensy bit tiny bit but, oh no relaxing no relaxing we we can't relax because we honestly, we did our part, you know, aside mm-hmm. from the draw at Brighton, the nil nil draw at Brighton, um, we did our part to make sure that this was the match of the season. You know, we had to go out and beat City and they had what Arsenal needed to do to, to kind of lessen the pressure on them was go out and beat United. And they weren't able to do that, but we were able to beat City. So we mm-hmm. did our part. We earned the ability to be able to leapfrog them in head to head competition we still have a game in hand. So no matter what happens in this match, you know, obviously you don't want to lose because you give them three points, then they'll have a four point lead again or a five point lead again. Um, so you do need points from this match. But I think we said we did our part to set this up as being the match of the WSL season. It is going to be difficult because there are still big matches to play, but I'm very excited about this match. And I look at Arsenal and the form they've been in and it almost seems like they've they're really they're having a lot of turbulence right now like their their season is kind of shaky and Chelsea is getting better um whether it's personnel is playing better i think it's a combination of personnel playing better i think the switch back to a back four tweaking a few things um bringing out another really really vicious press that we've kind of missed a little bit in the 343 we had it a little bit early and then toward the end of 2021 we completely lost it um so i think we have been doing much better and are going in very opposite directions of Arsenal. So I'm looking forward to this match and I hope that none of these words come back to bite. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Indeed. So uh, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, just I hope that everyone who's like watched Chelsea in the last few weeks is making the most of it and, and reveling in it because the team has worked really hard and um, I'm feeling really happy about this past weekend and I hope I feel just as happy next weekend. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to overhype this match too much because it's absolutely not the league. There's still way too many games to play. Um and and as we saw versus Brighton, as we saw versus, you know, Arsenal and uh and Birmingham City, uh points can be dropped anywhere, but this is a massive match. Um and I'm really looking forward to it, particularly with Chelsea in the form that they're in. I don't feel as nervous as I would have if this would have happened say late 2021. <laughs> so, uh feeling good. Thank you all for listening to the Frank Kirby's Fight Club. We of course will be back to talk about that match, uh, that Arsenal match, whatever happens, we'll break it down and then we will look what, look ahead. We'll look at the table and we'll look ahead to whatever that means and whatever the route to the, um, to the title, to the league title looks like then. Until then, though, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. If you do listen to this on an app that allows you to rate or review, please give us five stars. 
also leave a review. I have read a few of them and they are very helpful and uh, and we like to read them. So we may do some shout outs in the future to kind of encourage y'all to leave some reviews because I think I do think it's a really nice and kind thing to do. So and we definitely appreciate it. It does help other people find content about the team and spread enthusiasm about this team because it absolutely deserves it. So we'll talk to y'all next week.